Ruth is interesting because Ruth isn't a warrior. Ruth isn't like a superhero. But what Ruth's story is is more important probably than all the other stories that we've talked about so far for, for the theme of the Bible. And so it's going to be a very canon event event, all right, that we're going to talk about. It's going to be really good. So let me give you some backstory so we can just get into this. Let me give you some backstory um, on Ruth. And then we're going to get into what this story means, okay? So I'm going to kind of tell the story a little bit, uh, and then we're going to go into it, okay? So Ruth, everybody say Ruth. Ruth. Perfect, you're with me. I'm back. We're ready to go. <laughs> All right. Um, and just a quick, Vince, I love you. If you're hearing this, I love you. Um, <laughs> Ruth was a Moabite. Everybody say Moabite. What does that even mean? What? Um. It's going to be important to the story, but we'll, I'll explain. So Ruth is a Moabite. She's the daughter-in-law of a very important woman. Okay, so there's this woman named Naomi. Everybody say Naomi. Naomi was married to this dude named Elimelech. Don't, I'm not going to ask you to do that. Elimelech. What's that? Elimelech. Uh, Elimelech was, a, was an Israelite, a Jewish man, and he married Naomi. Okay, they have two kids. And their two sons are named Malon and Chilion. Could I get a three-by-three three with an extra Chilion on that thing? Chilion on that thing. All right. Uh, that's, that's later. Sorry. I'm thinking about in and out already. Um, um, <laughs> I am losing it. Uh, but we have, so there's Naomi, her husband, right? And she's got two boys. The two boys have wives, okay? One is named Orpah, <laughs> which is so close to Oprah. I want to say Oprah every time, like Oprah Winfrey. But um, <laughs> you get a car. Okay. But one's name is Orpah, and the other one's name is? Okay, let's try it again. The other one's name is? Yes, there we are. Okay, there we are. So what happened was Elimelech, <laughs> Elimelech wanted to go to uh, Moab. And when they were there, the sons found wives. So they're Moabites. The crazy thing is that it'll, make, it'll add some spice to the story later is that Moab was typically <laughs> at war with Israel. Like they're not friends. So this is, remember that when we're going into this story. Okay, so now tragedy happens. As like in most superhero movies, right? Something happens bad and everything's wrong. Oh, no. Okay, all right. Tragedy happens. Here's what happens. Elimelech dies. But here's the thing. For Naomi, it's still okay. Back, not, I mean, she's sad for sure. But here's the thing. Back in that time, if a, if a woman's husband would die, it's kind of a big deal, as it is still today. But a bigger deal because women weren't... Uh, the workers or the providers of the, of the home. Does that make sense? And so today, uh, if uh, a woman's husband dies, they have, like, life insurance that might help pay for things, and then they get a job, and they, you know, they turn into a career woman if they weren't already, and then they could figure it out, right? Whereas back in that day, they wouldn't. They're, they're uh, something that makes a woman um, important is, uh, in that time, was her, her husband, because uh, that's her life, like, the way she's provided for and her ability to bear children. And so if, you're, if she's widowed, and Naomi's already too old, she's too old to marry and too old to have kids, she's kind of 
in a rough spot. Does that make sense? And this is the part of the Bible that is prescriptive. No, descriptive, not prescriptive. Does that make sense? So this isn't saying that that's how women should be treated. This is just how they were treated back then. You with me? Okay, descriptive, not prescriptive. So anyways, Elimelech dies. So Naomi's like bummed. That sucks. She loved him. Ugh. But her sons are alive. So what happens now, which we still see this today is uh, a lot, is that Naomi now lives with her sons and their wives. So they're like one big happy family, okay? That happens for 10 years. Things are really good. And then both of her sons die. <laughs> what is in the water at Moab, right? Both of her sons die. So now, now it's bad. It's bad. Everybody say it's bad. It's bad. So it's Naomi, Orpah, <laughs> and Ruth with no husbands and, uh, and no kids. It's just them. Three women, no husbands, no kids. Those are the things back in the day that gave them value. What do we do now? Have any of us ever been in a moment in our life where we're like, what do we do now? Right? So Naomi, Orpah, and Ruth. Orpah will never not be funny. That's funny. But the three of them are in a tough spot. And so what happens is, and this is all, Ruth is only four chapters. You could read it probably tonight, and it'll take you 30 minutes. Maybe a little longer. Maybe an hour. <clears throat> Depends on how. It plays on your reading level. Okay. Um, so Naomi says this to the girl. She goes, girls, come here. She goes, here's what's going to have to happen. Y'all got to go home. Got to go back. to Mo I'm, I'm going to go to Bethlehem where I'm from. You're going to stay here in Moab and go back to your mother and father's house and just pray that they'll take you in. So Naomi's doing the right thing. She's trying to help these girls because they're still young. They're still of the marrying age. They can get set up. And so she says, you got to go back and, and, and go there. So everyone's weeping and crying, no, Naomi, we love you. Like she's the best mother-in-law ever, which is like, that's cool because it's usually not a thing, you know, between wives and mother-in-laws, whatever. I don't know. Maybe that's a stereotype. Um, <clears throat> so or Orpah, I almost said Oprah. So Orpah, I almost did it again. Orpah goes back to Moab. She's crying. Oh, why can't you see my name right? No, I'm just kidding. She goes back to Moab, right? And so with tears, they love each other. And then Ruth, Ruth stands up and says, nah, Naomi, I'm with you. Which this is a really noble thing to do. Because remember, Naomi's basically like chopped liver at this point. Uh, she's too old to bear children, and she's probably too old for anybody to want to marry her, so she's kind of in a tough place. But having Ruth attached to her helps her a lot. Does that make sense, everybody? Okay, so Ruth says, I'm with you. Ruth says, where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. <laughs> where you move, I will follow. That's an oldie. Uh, but Ruth says that. Says, hey, Naomi, wherever you're going, I'm going, right? And she says all these, these cool things, but basically, and we'll talk about it in a little bit. Basically, what she says is that I'm committed to you. And we're going we're gonna to see this through together. H have any of you ever been lifted up, like in a tough time, when a friend is like, hey, I'm going to walk through this with you. Anybody ever been there? 
Uh, and hey, sometimes we could be that friend in somebody's life. Someone's going through a tough time, and it's really tough to go through a tough time alone. And so maybe we could be a friend like, hey, I'm going to walk with you through this. I've got your hand, and we're going to see it through, and we're going to be on the other side of this. And here's the thing that most people don't need. And I'll, this is a teaching point for us. Can I do a teaching point for us? Sometimes what I see in young people is that we, we go the comfort route without the walking in victory route. Let me give an example. So we go to camp, we go to convention, we go to all these things. We love the end of service. The end of service is bomb. Why? Because it's like, Oh, the pastor's calling us out. We're raising our hands. We're getting called to ministry. Everyone's crying. Everyone's hugging. I've never gotten so many hugs in my life. But the problem sometimes with it is we never leave the hug. Like, oh, what, Brett, what are you talking about? Sometimes, like, imagine if <laughs> Naomi's like, hey, I, I'm kind of in a tough place, but you two are still young enough. You guys got to go home. And they're just like, Naomi, I love you, my baby. Which is great. But then, if they're just like, all right. And then they go home, and they don't talk ever again. Does that make sense? Naomi probably needed the hug. She did. But what she needed more than a hug was a friend to stick by her after the hug. Does that make sense? And so sometimes for us, your friend might be in trouble. Your friend definitely needs a hug. I, I made fun of the hug, but it's because I'm a dude. But friends need hug. I've had some, <laughs> some homies that we just, we just need a hug. The hug is good, but it's not all about the hug. The hug's not the healing. Does that make sense? And so, so, so when we're in those moments and our friends are struggling, we're not just looking to comfort. We're looking to, to come alongside somebody. Like, Danielle comes home and had the worst day, and she's crying. And if I just sit there, and like, oh, my gosh, I love you so much, right? I'm comforting you. There's no solution. It's cool. In the moment, it feels good, but then the next day sucks, too. Does that make sense? But if I'm standing with her, and I'm like, hey, we're going to get through this together. We're going to walk through this together. We're going we're gonna to seek God together, and this is going to turn into something good. Do you see the change there, everybody? And so that's what Ruth does. Oh, Orpah gave her a hug and a kiss. I love you so much, and left, Okay. And she had to do what she had to do. That's cool. But Ruth was like, hey, hug and a kiss. I love you. I'm going to come for you. But also, get up. We're, we're going somewhere. I don't want to leave my friend in their mess, which is what we do when we only comfort our friends. Our friends on their knees at the altar, and we're like, oh, my gosh. And then we leave them there. Instead, it's like sometimes this is, this is crazy and so I've done this with some guys, but sometimes what they need is, hey, come on, let's go. You don't have to be down in that dirt anymore. Does that make sense? That's what Ruth does. Ruth says, Naomi, hey, we're cool. We're doing this together. If we're widows for the rest of our lives, it's together. And we're doing this, right? But, you know, I'm not leaving you in your mess because you've, you've, you've blessed me. That's what Ruth is saying here, okay? So they go to Bethlehem. They have this plan. They're going to go and work the fields and, and, uh, and live un- with Naomi's family, okay? And so what they do is they're out there, and they're in kind of with their tribe and with the family and all that kind of stuff. And then Ruth comes across this dude named Boaz. Everybody say Boaz. Um, so Boaz is this farmer. He's well-established. 
I think in our heads, we all think of him as like this like studly, handsome, tall, dark, and handsome man, Boaz. But he's probably just like an old, established uh, Jewish man. Maybe not super old. I don't know. But basically what happens is she, uh, Ruth comes back and Naomi's like, hey, that's so exciting. Boaz can be our kinsman redeemer. So what that means, I hope we're learning a little bit here real quick. In Jewish times, there was a custom that would say this. If someone was widowed, a, the closest relative male would marry the widow as to save her and redeem her. Does that make sense, everybody? And it would go so far as even the, the first son born from that relationship would carry the name of, the, of the, the father that passed or the husband that passed, which is weird. But it's all about redeeming the, the generations and stuff like that, okay? So this is what happens. They, 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 they have this little plan. Naomi's like, hey, you got to make sure that Boaz knows you're available, honey. And she's like, okay. And so she dresses up all cute and stuff. And then she goes, and Boaz is sleeping. And then she goes, I don't even know why this is a thing, but the Bible says that she uncovered his feet. Whoa. Not the toes. Okay, so she, she, uh, she, she played Cheetos with it. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, those of you that are at camp, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, for those of you that don't, at camp, there was kids that during one of the games had to eat flaming Hot Cheetos out of their youth pastor's toes. Disgusting. Uh, so Ruth uncovers his feet. They have a little combo. And, uh, and she's basically like, hey, will you redeem us? And he's like, hey, actually, there's a relative that's closer than I am. Let's, I'm going to talk to him first. And if he won't do it, I'll do it. Either way, you're going to be okay. So Boaz is a really honorable man. That's really cool of him to do. So he goes, has this meeting with this other guy. The other guy says, no, because Ruth is a Moabite. And he says, basically, if I marry her, my inheritance is, might be taken away from my family because she's a Moabite. So Boaz says, that's fine. I'll marry her. I'll redeem her. And so then they do. So they, they get married. And they have a son named Obed. Everybody say Obed. Obed had a son named Jesse. Everybody say Jesse. Jesse had a son named David. And that'll be our next series. Okay, so that's the story. And if you go lines down, David, 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 all the way down, David, whoever, you get to Jesus. Okay, every story in the Old Testament points to who? Jesus. This one points to Jesus by bloodline and by some principles in it. It's really cool. It's one of my favorite stories. And it's, cr it's crazy because it's not a story when you read it, you're like, wow, that is so powerful. Like, he really set them up. But it points to Jesus in a really great way. And so that's what I'm going to tell you about right now. Okay, does that sound good? We're going to end it here uh, with these next three points. So the first thing that we learn from the story of Ruth is that loyalty is a really big deal. Okay? Loyalty is huge. So we live in a, and I do this, we, we live in a society. Uh, but <laughs> I do that all the time. But we live in a time um, <laughs> in a society that tells us 
It's all about us. Anybody ever, you realize that? It's all about how you feel, do what makes you happy. And I say this all the time, and I'm, it's not that you're not supposed to be happy. It's not that you're not supposed to do sometimes things that are, are for your good, because God's going to do things for your good. But here's the thing, it's not all about you, okay? And what happens when it's all about you is you're not loyal to anybody but yourself. So what will happen is you'll notice that you'll have, if, if you've been hopping around friend groups your whole life, well, they're just not my vibe anymore. <laughs> like? I just, I just don't, it was getting toxic, right? They just, they, they called you out on something, and maybe they were right. It wasn't toxic, <laughs> right? Does that make sense? And, uh, and guys and girls, I see this all the time. Like, I, I just don't vibe with them anymore, you know? It's like, okay, whatever. Or this is the typical guy, I've seen it in a lot of guys, girls too, whatever. You get to the age where you have a job, like, ah, oh, the manager just was, was, it was a bad environment for me. Right? Maybe one or two of those is good. But if there's been 12 managers that the vibe hasn't been good and you're on your 12th job, maybe it's you. You know what I mean? Like may, maybe <laughs> you're soft. Okay, no, I'm just kidding. But may, maybe we need to think about loyalty a little more. Does that make sense? I've seen this even in church. You, you guys have seen those folks that seem to be at like a new church every two years. I just wasn't getting fed. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, that's sorry. Right. I'm about to rant. I hate that. Okay. I'm not getting fed. Listen, I'm not in the business of feeding you. I'm in the business of teaching you how to cook. Okay? So. Nah, but seriously. But seriously. Like, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to have you come to youth group. Right? Like, I, I'm trying to have you come to youth group so that you go home and read your Bible. Right? I'm trying to have you come to youth group so that you love Jesus. Right? It's not about me feeding you. Anything. I, I, I got... Two mouths to feed, and that's it. My wife and Vince, that's it. I ain't feeding anybody else. Does that make sense? So, it, But what does that thing say? I'm not being fed anymore. Oh, it's all about who? You. Maybe we just need to, to find what you guys have at this point. Maybe we just need to find a group to plug into, a people to belong to, and give them everything we have, knowing that they're imperfect and they're going to hurt us. You think Danielle's ever offended me? She has. You think I could just leave and be like, she hurt me. It was toxic. <laughs> but that's how we treat everything else in life. I don't go to church anymore. You'll, you'll hear this from people at school and all this kind of stuff. And I'm not telling this to, like, get down on them. I'm just telling this to keep you away from this. I don't go to church anymore. Why? They hurt me. And listen, there's, there's cases of actual, like, abuse and things like that. And that's cool. Just move churches, right? Find a healthy one. But if it's like they just called me out on my stuff and I got offended and I left and I hate people, <laughs> like, because they always make me want to be better, you know, we got to check ourselves. Loyalty is a big deal. Be loyal to your friends. Be loyal to your family. Be loyal to your church and your youth group and your pastors and leaders. Right? Your leaders pour so much into you. And, and, and Danielle and I pour so much into you. Uh, and it's not like it's not all about us, but but listen, there's a thing that if I, if I'm going to be loyal to you, be loyal to me, because the same thing. If I'm going to be, if Jesus is so Jesus is so loyal to me, He loves me even if I don't love Him. That's crazy. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to love Him, and I'm going to be loyal. So if you work, if you start to work, see it through. Try and do your best. Work as if it's unto the Lord, right? Uh, if you go to school, which you all are next Tuesday. It's not all about, like, go home and your parents are like, hey, why do you have an F on the report card? Here's what I hear every time. Ready, ready, ready? 
the teacher's just so bad. The teacher is just not good. Like, they literally, mom, you don't understand. They literally don't teach. Like, they just tell us to open the book, and that's why I'm failing. Okay, that's cool. So is it, who, what's the excuse for the kid who has an A in that class? He's a nerd, and he doesn't share his answers with me. All right. But you know, what I'm getting, you know what I'm getting at? Everybody has the same circumstance in that group, right? you got to figure it out. You don't get to have those excuses in the real world, right? It's like me, like, Brett, why are you failing at everything? Well, God doesn't teach this. He just makes me open it and read it. Sorry, that got too real. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, sometimes we got to suck it up and be like, uh, we got to do things unto the Lord. And God does teach things. It's called revelation. The Holy Spirit brings things to us. That was just a Silly example. But loyalty is a big deal. I'd spend too much time on that. Okay, <laughs> Loyalty is rewarded. Amen? Uh, Ruth was loyal to Naomi. Boaz was loyal to Ruth. Cool. Number two, God's redemptive plan has always been available to everyone, even his enemies. Except for Satan. That fools out. <laughs> But the Moabites were against Israel. Israel's is God's chosen people. So the Moabites, at times, were enemies of God. And there's a book in the Bible named after a Moabite, named Ruth, who, because she turned her heart to the Lord, she was redeemed. There's a scripture that I was supposed to read before this, but I'm going to read it right now because it works here too. In chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, it says, But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave. She's talking to Naomi right here. Do not urge me to leave you or turn back from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. It's a fancy way to say where you stay, I'll stay. Your people shall be my, even if they're toxic. And your God, that's a, that's a, confession of faith right there. She said, I'm going to serve Yahweh. Because Moab was a country uh, with many gods. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. Thus may the Lord do to me and worse, if anything but death parts you and me. She's loyal and she just confessed to the Lord that she's going to follow him too. She's loyal to God. And God's redemptive plan has always been available to everyone, even his enemies. God's mercy, like we learned before in Exodus, God's mercy always triumphs over what? Judgment. God's mercy always triumphs over judgment. Everybody got that wrong. That's okay. I love you. Over what? Pineapple juice. <laughs> I don't even know what the answers were. God's mercy triumphs over judgment every time. <laughs> the people of Moab deserve, remember the third and fourth generation thing? I'm sure Ruth fell into that. But she said, Lord, I'm going to follow you. And he said, all right. Mercy triumphs over judgment. All right, the last thing, number three. Jesus is our redeemer. Jesus is our Boaz. <laughs> Say it. So just like Boaz bought Naomi and Ruth's belongings and redeemed them from a life of poverty, Jesus has bought us with his blood, redeemed us, saving us from a life of spiritual poverty and death. It points to Jesus. 
like I said, every story in the Old Testament points to Jesus. But one of my favorite things to connect this, I'll show how Jesus is our redeemer, right? Because it's like this story where Boaz redeems Ruth, and it's like this cool story. But there's a story in the New Testament that I really love that I'm going to end with here, and I'm really ending. Uh, And this is my favorite story of redemption in the Bible. Okay, everybody remember Peter? Peter is a disciple. Peter's name was actually Simon. And Jesus says, no, I'm going to call you Peter because Peter means rock. That's who you're going to be. But then as time goes on, they get to the end. And Jesus says to Peter, Peter, when, when I get taken away and all this stuff, what's going to happen is you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. Peter says, I'll never do that. He goes, you will. And that night, Judas betrays Jesus. Jesus gets taken away and all hell breaks loose. <laughs> Everything's crazy. Jesus is captured, all this kind of stuff. And these people come up to Peter. Aren't you the guy that was with Jesus? No, 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 that wasn't me. Someone else says, aren't you the guy that was with Jesus? No, I don't even know him. Someone else comes, aren't you the guy? And he curses Jesus' name. No. And then he realizes, because the rooster crows, and he's like, oh, dang. And can you imagine, you spent three years with Jesus, seeing him do miracles, seeing that he's the son of God, and in a moment, out of selfishness, because you didn't want to get hurt, you denied him three times, and you don't, this is the worst part about it, for me at least. Peter doesn't have a chance, he thinks, doesn't have a chance to go tell Jesus he's sorry. Just denied him three times, and he looks over, and Jesus is getting whipped and beaten and stuff thrown at him. You ever done that where you backstabbed a friend, and you're like, oh, man. I wish I had a second chance. Some of us don't get it. Your friend's like, nah, I ain't talking to you ever again. Sometimes we got to live with that. Peter's looking at Jesus getting broken and bruised and battered, and he sees him on the cross, and he's... What did I do? Jesus dies. Three days later, he raises again. And in this really special moment later on, he meets the disciples where he met them the first time, out on a boat trying to catch fish. (laughs) And he does a miracle that he's already done. They know it's him. They all go crazy. Peter jumps out of the boat and swims all the way to shore. He's like, this is my chance. To say I'm sorry. And Jesus does this really beautiful thing. And it seems like a not so beautiful thing in the story. This is in John chapter 21, if you want to read it. Jesus goes up to Peter and he says, Simon, do you love me? Peter says, yeah, of course I love you. And he goes, and tend my lambs, or feed my lambs, that's what he says. Then he says, Simon, do you, do you love me? Peter's like, yeah, I love you. He goes, then tend my sheep. Simon. Do you love me? 
And the Bible says that he gets like saddened by this. Yeah, Jesus, I love you. We can get into it. There's, there's some Greek words that he uses different words. One's like unconditional love. One's just brotherly love. And he gets kind of mixed up. But we, that's not the main point for tonight. Jesus says, okay, then feed my sheep. What? What is that about? <laughs> Jesus does a couple things. First, he gives him a chance to reverse the three denials of Jesus with three confessions of love. Yes, I love you. Yes, I love you. Yes, I love you. The next thing he does is he gives him a redo by calling him Simon again. Oh, I called you Peter because you were a rock. Then you deny me three times. So let's start over, Simon. Anybody ever wish we had a redo sometimes? This is when the Bible says God's rod and staff comfort us. This is what it means, right? He's like, Brett, I called you mighty warrior, <laughs> and you got really scared. You fell short. That's okay, Brett. Let's start back here. Mighty warrior again. Right? The third thing that Jesus does is he lets him know, and this is the toughest one. He lets him know that if he's going to follow him, if Peter's going to follow Jesus, it can't be about Peter anymore. Because that's what the denial was about. So Jesus is saying, do you love me? And he goes, yes, I love you. And then he goes, okay, give me a hug. That's not what he says. He says, do you love me? He goes, yes. Okay, then take care of them. Do you love me? Yes, of course I do. Okay, then take care of their parents. Okay, do you love me? Yes, I love you. Okay, then feed them. What Jesus is saying is, if you're going to follow me, it's not about you. It's about me and what I'm doing. Well, are you willing to partner with me in this? Because the disciples were so used to just hanging with Jesus and loving on Jesus, and he said, now it's not me anymore. I'm going to go away. you got to do, you got to do this thing. This is our story. Jesus gives us a second chance, a chance to make things right and to follow him, but it doesn't come without a cost. Salvation is free, but following Jesus is going to cost you something. Right? The Bible says to lay, lay down everything at his feet. The Bible says to pick up our cross and follow him. The Bible says to die to ourselves. It's over and over and over again. Die to ourselves daily. Crucify ourselves. Walk with him. What does that mean? It's not about us. Like Ruth, it wasn't about her. She's going to take care of Naomi. Does that make sense, everybody? We can live a life trying to figure it out on our own and end up in poverty, struggling to survive all the way up until we die. Or we could acknowledge that our, our Redeemer's here and we come under his covering. Living a life where he's in charge, he provides, and we live a life full of blessings, even amongst hardships. Amen? So the point of the story, the point of the Ruth story, is that our Redeemer lives. <laughs> our Redeemer's here. His name is Jesus. But the thing that Ruth had to do is she had to come under the covering of Boaz and commit loyally to Boaz. We got to commit to Jesus. We don't get the benefits of Jesus without the commitment to Jesus. Does that make sense, everybody? Uh, so we're going to live a life that we're loyal. Uh, we're going to live a life that we know that Jesus is our Redeemer. We're going to live a life that knows everybody gets to have the good news. So next week we're going to invite all our friends uh, to, to youth, just have fun, have a game night, and it's going to be a party. I love you guys. Let's stand up. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for who you are. Thank you for how you love us. 
Thank you for these stories, how they connect the dots for us. Thank you, Lord, that you didn't write your story with perfect people. You wrote the story of Ruth with someone that was supposed to be your enemy. And it ended up carrying out the lineage of our Savior in that. And that's our story, God. You died for us while we were still sinners. And so, Lord, we love you. We're grateful for you. And we know that it's not just about us. It's not just for us. It's for our friends. It's for our family. So, God, give us a boldness to go out as school starts next week. Think about it differently this year. That it's not just about surviving school. It's about making a difference. Let's help us to make a difference. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.